All right, everyone, welcome to the show, Tennessee Wildcast, the weekly podcast of the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. I'm Doug Markham. And this is Jason Harmon. How's it going, Doug? Hello, Jason. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. What does today mark? This is the one-year anniversary of Tennessee Wildcast. Hard to believe it. Yeah, it's 52 awesome. Shows. 52 anyway, shows. Hey, all of them are still out there, too. We're still trying to tell folks that we're out there. Tell them there's some great shows out there. It's information all about your agency that manages fish and wildlife boating for you. And uh, sometimes we get a surprise guest on there, too, that talks hunting and fishing. Yeah. When we always like to talk about. We just want so, to keep y'all informed, and uh, this is one way we can do it. And there's a lot of good information we're putting out here. Yep, and we do have a special guest today for our one year anniversary. We'll get to that in just a minute. Let's tell them a couple things going on. The NWTF just left. The National Wild Turkey Federation was at Opry Mills, Opry Land this past weekend. Probably had something like fifty thousand folks that showed up. Mm-hmm. All of them, it seemed like, probably had a, a turkey call in their mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I seen a little video on YouTube, a little highlight reel of a bunch of turkey stuff oh, going it's, on. It's like you're under attack from the biggest turkey flock that ever was. But anyway, they've come and gone, but they always are a sign of spring to me. It means it's a ride around the corner. We still have a few weeks to go before turkey season starts in Tennessee, but you ought to be thinking about it. You ought to be practicing those calls, making sure your shotgun's in good shape, getting all that gear together, gear you're going to lo- use throughout the season from when the, when the season starts and there's not anything on the trees, no bloom to when they're all covered up. Yeah, so, I seen uh, on my way to town the other day, I seen a big flock of, of, of toms and are you up? in Wilson County. They so weren't fanning, were they? Fan him, they, oh, they were, no, but they were just kind of putting around out through there and yeah, Beard, beards were dragging the ground, so that was yeah. pretty cool to see. Right. Putting's not always good, you know. <laughs> anyway, one thing you need to uh, remember is that the juveniles get to hunt first. That happens on the last week of March, mm-hmm. which I think we looked at. It was the 25th, 26th, but make sure you look at the guide. Then everybody gets to start on April the 1st this year. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's no joke. April 1st. April no Fool's joke. Day. Yeah, that's right. April's Fool's. That might be a good day for it. But anyway, it starts that day, and, and we'll see how, how tricky the birds are and and goes well into May. So you got, I think, 45 days, Joyce, when he said last week, to hunt turkeys in Tennessee mm-hmm. starting April 1st. So also, uh, new licenses. Yes, those went on sale this past weekend at the NWTF and uh, for, for anyone. For everywhere. Yeah, for yeah. everybody. can buy them on Saturday, and it's time to do that, time to renew those it licenses. Is. If you are, If you purchase them annually, you're not a lifetime sportsman holder or whatever, it's time, and uh, the agency can start selling them oh, about 10 or 11 days before the beginning of March. So they're on sale. Uh, the good news, the bad news is they're, you have to get them again, I guess, if you don't like to spend that money. But the good news is they didn't go up in price. They're the same price they were last year. And let's show them uh, Ralph McDonald's artwork. Sure. This is an, an option that you've got this year. And I say option. It's $5 if you want to get it. It's a hard copy size of a credit card. goes in your wallet. Real easy to keep up with your information, and we're calling them a collector's license because Ralph McDonald is a special person. He lives in Gallatin, Tennessee, has a studio out there, and he agreed to let us use his artwork to create this first license. This one's called While You Were Out, and you can see what's happening there with the tree stand and the deer, the big buck, and back there's a doe somewhere. But anyway, this is his first art. we got another one that's going to have depict a bass leaping, one of those bass that many of us have lost. And I think the name of it is maybe next time, and we'll show it to you pretty soon. But this $5 extra, uh, you can buy it if you want to. You don't have to buy it if you don't want to. And um, it's just something nice to have from a company called Brant that we might talk about some today that's a new vendor for TWRA, and they got some great ideas. Mm-hmm. So anything else? Not that I can think of. Um, I heard crappie were biting. 
Oh yeah, but we'll let our we don't know how to catch those. So. <laughs> no, we'll let our guest talk about that. He might let us go if we ask him. All right, let's see if we can get that. All right, let's introduce Ed Carter. He is our director, Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. He's been that way for about nine years. Chief of boating before that. Um, he was in I E. I think at, at some point before that, Region Two before that, maybe. All of those. All of those. <laughs> uh, Director Carter has helped us start our hunter education program here, our boating education program here, and all those programs in between you probably had something to do with through the years. It's It's been a great career. We got to see a little bit of everything that the agency does. And been a part, a great part of everything that the agency does. I do. It's, it's, that's the great thing about being in the agency. There's such a variety, and if you get to – kind of dabble around in all of it you can't really ask for anything better and we also he also has a lot of talents that that probably won't go in today he's a pretty good comedian great <laughs> poise he's a he's a poet laureate and you know all kinds of stuff there's all kinds of things that you have to do in uh, it's a part of what your job is all right let's we want to talk about some of the important things that that's happened in your career here and and one of them that's happened recently was this tucker buck that's gone on and we're kind of we've talked tucker buck tucker buck a lot but it's still it's a special thing not everybody's going to go out and harvest a 47 point buck that breaks records and all that but we got to be a part of it director carter during your era and what's your thoughts on that you know it's it's something that you always think about as a hunter that maybe that will happen to me someday and then the other side of course is what that means for the state of tennessee i've already heard from people uh, really all over the United States, especially from other directors of the other states, going, wow, you guys must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. And and oddly enough, I didn't really recognize when the Tucker book was first coming in and we were doing all the scoring that there are so many others, not exactly obviously the in the same class, but very similar in terms of the, the non-typical racks that, that some deer have and, and the I don't know. I'm just still kind of in shock, but it's great. It is, I, and that must be fun to talk to some of your counterparts. Directors talk to directors. You're on a lot of same committees that y'all get together across the country exactly. and do, and that must be pretty neat to talk to them. And and because I don't think Tennessee is where most of them would think this world record potential world record. It's still got one more step to go, but it's a great buck regardless. And Tennessee may not always be thought of as that championship kind of state, but we we got big bucks. And then we have, of course, the the typical racks too, and it, that have scored real high. Some of them uh, way up in the one, two, or three in the southeast. So it's things are really coming on, and I've been proud to see it. I, I guess we should note that it, it's not the world record total; it's right. the world record taken by a hunter. And my counterpart in Missouri gave me a call and said, "You guys." you know this is not the world's record and i said sure it is he said nope we still have it and this is what it is and i said well if you want to talk about a buck that you found dead somewhere it was hit by a car or something okay but i thought we're talking about the real thing here so so we do have fun jabbing back and forth messing with each other oh yeah they call that the monarch is that the missouri monarch or something like that and 333 inches ours is 312 but again if you found a 16 pound smallmouth floating on the water it wouldn't really be the record would it (laughs) no it wouldn't (laughs) all right i think that's my book not in your book and speaking of books we're gonna get that in a few minutes uh you know another record got broke and and during during your term here director that i didn't think would we'd ever see go away and that was the that was the state record largemouth bass so that happened a couple years ago by a young man over toward chattanooga ways and how was that as far as everything that you've seen through the years where you put that on the scale of of fun 
Well, it means so much in so many different realms, depending on what hits you most. But for us, of course, it's a resource, and for the fishermen, it's a the not only the size of the fish, but the opportunity of maybe having that prize someday and what it means. And and then we also hear back from all the folks around, especially around Chickamauga, going what that's meant to them in tourism yeah, and all those right. kind of things. It does mm-hmm. go to that, and it was taken out of Chickamauga, and um, it, it's a it's a big bass. And you know, yeah. there were some questions about the other bass that was caught fifty years ago. To me, it's we know now everything there is to know about this bass. So it's, I think it will stand for a while. Well, you know, there's some speculation, but with the strain of Florida bass that the agency's been involved in on some lakes, Chickamauga being one, that it may go quicker than we think. That, well, it uh, could, yeah. Who knows? But I'd, I'd certainly be proud to be anywhere in that category oh, yeah. of being close. Yeah, yeah. This, we're producing some big bass out of there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of fish, while we're on it, you were telling, making Jason and me feel bad <laughs> before the show got going, that you're getting some good crappie reports, I can tell you, like. Two of my really good friends who've won, both live actually on Kentucky Lake, the words they used was on fire. They said it was just unbelievable what they're doing with crappie, and not just numbers, but size. So I don't know why we're sitting here. We should all be taking the day off. <laughs> Every time I take Jason, we uh, we don't we don't get on fire, do we, Jason? Well, it's, uh, we're gonna I wouldn't try call it on fire. We're going to try to get on fire. I get the same thing back when I go hunting karen my wife will she'll go well i'll go ahead and get the skillet greased because ah! <laughs> i don't come back with something every time and it'd probably be the same thing fishing hey well, it's not hunting and fishing if you don't have a down day every now and again that's right all right by the way we also have state record tilapia but that's another story that's going on over on uh over on old hickory here in tennessee if folks want to go catch some fish they're a little different um doctor you um You've been at the agency since the early 70s, and I know we asked you this last time, the first year, a year ago, we asked you that. You can go back and watch it if you want to, but I'm going to ask you again why it's current. What do you think is the most, I don't know, the most important thing or the most unique thing or the or the biggest change that you've seen in your career at TWRA? Well, that's a, that, that could be several different answers probably because I kind of put them in different categories. But overall, what's been – I guess I've been most amazed about is how wildlife populations have not only increased, but maybe even uh, stabilized in some areas where there's massive uh, loss of habitat, I guess, for lack of a better word. A lot, mm-hmm. lot of development, and, and I, with 87 people a day moving to Nashville, I understand why wow. we need all of that. Is that right? But at the same time, I, I look around and there's people. I had a friend tell me, he said, you know, I took my buck last year. Well, I watch people going out the state capitol building. So that it's just amazing to me that that the wildlife populations have adapted, and we're doing our best to secure some tracts of land throughout the state strategically in certain places to make sure that as we go forward that not only the wildlife has a place to be, but also the people who enjoy wildlife, whether it's watching, hunting, or whatever it is, will have a place to do that. Okay, do you see, is the future going to be, is the restoration era over? Could it come back? Are we still restoring some things? Is, or is the future of TWRA going to be trying to handle issues with overcrowding of wildlife with people? There will be some of that. We, <clears throat> Some states now have programs that they call urban wildlife, urban forestry, and it's because of doing that exact thing, trying to, to mesh the urbanization with wildlife populations or loss of wildlife populations whichever and i look the restoration phase most of the 
the big species, the, the iconic ones that we've known for years, I think we're pretty much through with those. But uh, I look at, for instance, in the last two years, there have been uh, well a, a few lawsuits that have been brought forward to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service over species that we never even think about in terms of the general public. Now, if you work with them every day, they're they're part of your radar, but uh, some of the things that, that are on the endangered species list or those that are in need of management, uh, there were 400-plus species that were brought forward, and, and 87 of those were in Tennessee. So I think in terms of restoration, that kind of restoration will always be there. It will either be protecting or trying to restore those animals in the particular habitats that they have a, a specific niche for. Okay, and in, in our agency, that's that's would be the biodiversity program. Is that what that is, or is it go beyond just biodiversity? Uh, well, it is biodiversity in the terms of the, of those things that we typically don't hunt or fish for. But mm-hmm. but Tennessee is so so rich, for instance, in mussels. You know, the, oh, yeah. we have the greatest freshwater mussel uh, source in, in the United States. Uh, we're listed as being the the third most biodiverse state. Uh, of any inland inland state in the nation the duck river is supposedly one of the three most biodiverse in the world so we have all those kind of things but the great thing is that while you're trying to protect a muscle you're also protecting a small mouth and right. all those things fit together and, and i think that's been our challenge is to make sure that all those things do mesh together in a way that we can enjoy them from whatever aspect a person likes to do that did you in your early years here when we were going through the rest <clears throat> the restoration phase with deer and turkey and whatever else did you actually did you physically go out and do some of that as a, well you were a commissioned officer but you worked more out of the Nashville office, I think, most of your career. Most of it, except for the I was in seven years, I guess, in Region 2. But for the most part, yeah. But I, because of being out of Nashville, I got to work all over the state. So we spent many, many hours, you know, trying to, to net turkeys to restore all I over bet. the state. And in the, in the very earlier part of my career, it was moving deer. So and, you actually uh, we, moved deer one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, that was it. Okay. What part did you go to to to, to move deer in? Most of mine was actually in the Middle Tennessee area, and mm-hmm. as you might remember, up in Upper East Tennessee, Central Peninsula for some people, and it later became Chuck Swan. That was where a source of a lot of those deer came from, and then off of Fort Campbell here in Middle Tennessee, and then out of Cheatham, our wildlife management area just outside of Nashville here. Those were all important spots for for deer restoration and where they came from was one more enjoyable and i mean it's hard work it is hard work doing and i've talked to the, a lot of the biologists that did it and the deer and and i i participated a little bit in the turkey more as a picture taker than all you guys that were working hard but was there one that was more enjoyable for you than the other i know they're hard but was there one that you said man i look forward to getting up and doing this today i really actually enjoyed the turkey trapping uh, sometimes you're by yourself and, and you have to be out you know way before daylight and get everything set up and then you if you're not lucky enough to to shoot the net you're going to be there till after dark so it makes a long day and you have these long conversations with yourself (laughs) (laughs) but but i enjoyed it because when it's you know in some ways it's kind of like sitting in a tree stand waiting for that big buck to come by you're sitting there waiting to shoot those nets and and uh, watch the rockets go off and and then from there it's pretty hectic and a little bit more about you you're a sportsman how did you become a sportsman and tell us a little bit about where i probably should have started this way but where did you grow up and what made you become the hunter fisherman that you became and and get your love for the outdoors 
well, I grew up in East Tennessee and in, in, in Hawkins County around Rogersville. Uh, my dad was, you know, that, that was his passion always was hunting, fishing, probably more fishing than anything. We always had bird dogs. And at that time, I, I never saw a deer until I started working for the agency. So we went that that length of time. and But anyway, that was always his passion. And then we had a little rod and gun club like so many places did at that time. Dad, of course, fooled with that all the time. He was president of the rod and gun club when they released the deer in Hawkins County. So it was it was this kind of a natural flow and i was lucky enough went to the university of tennessee you know in wildlife and forestry and feel really really blessed to have got to work in the agency as quickly as i did did you start right out of college here no there was a short stint in a car wash in kroger's (laughs) (laughs) before i finally got to come here okay i hope it was a real short stint for you well, I learned more about the getting mud out from under a chassis than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you've been here a long time now and, and seen a lot of different things as you've gone through. And uh, you've had this passion for a project because you got to see so much because you've been all over tennessee from the mountains east to the to the lowlands west tennessee and our beautiful rolling here is a mid-state so you had this idea uh to develop a coffee table style book what, tell me tell me where that came from and let's talk about the book a little bit some of the places i'll go especially in visiting some of the other state agencies or in wildlife agencies in other states and also with the u.s fish and wildlife service i would see so many pictures of their people doing things and i thought well we ought to do that with our folks and but i didn't want just a picture of somebody you know seining a pond or somebody checking a bow whatever it happened to be i really want it to be scenic and and uh, tom wood who was one of our law enforcement supervisors mm-hmm. for a number of years and i worked with tom for a long time one day we were just kind of shooting the bull and he said, well, look at this picture. And he had a picture of our guys seining a pond early in the morning, the mist coming up off the pond, little concentric circles going out with a big, beautiful tree in the background. I said, Tom, I, this is this is what I'm talking about. This, this is the kind of picture we need. So I said, I'm going to do a coffee table book. I'm going to write this book. Well, two years later, I decided I'm never going to write this book. <laughs> so I, I asked Tom if he would be interested in, in providing the pictures. I went to Larry Richardson, who actually hired me when I came to work in the 70s. And Larry was a, an artist and, and or is an artist now and, and a writer and worked with Ducks Unlimited for years. But anyway, Larry said, yeah, let's do this. So Literally, we said, okay, well, now we need somebody to handle it for us. So we went to Julie Schuster, who's the executive director of our Wildlife Resources Foundation and also an ex-commissioner. And the, so we brainstormed for literally about a week, and then t- it just took off. And we searched for names, but we finally came up calling it the, the Wilderness Legacy. Okay. All right. And we got a few photographs of it. And, I mean, this is just taken off of my cell phone that we've cropped. This thing is a beautiful book, and it, it – Tell what's what's the what's the idea behind it? Ed? Starting from the beginning to end, are you in different parts of the state? Do you go east to west? How, what's it? How's it work? Uh, Tennesseans know we're divided into three. The Tennessee River gives us East, Middle, and West Tennessee, and each one of those we call those geographic uh, differences and and all the things that go with it, the habitat and the kind of wildlife resource management we do there is different so the book is divided into those sections it goes east middle and west tennessee and the fourth chapter is kind of one historically that lines out here's how the agency started here's what our people do and it takes it through 
those times when we were bringing in our, as we say, the 49ers, the first group of wildlife officers and biologists that we hired after we were made the Game and Fish Commission, and then it takes it from that up, up into modern times and shows some of those uh, programs that we're doing now. Yeah, and uh, Tom, you said worked in our enforcement, but he's got this. In, I didn't know he had it until I saw this book. Until I think I went to a meeting, one of the meetings with the director, and and looked at his work. I said, Tom, why weren't you doing this for us all these years? Of course, he's busy <laughs> being a wildlife officer, but he's really got a great eye. He, he's, he's an artist with his. He work. he is hired by several people i know a lot of the folks in gatlinburg area and the hotel industry there utilize him to do a lot of their photography work and some of it he just he's done for years just because he likes to do it yeah he's 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 really good and the book is beautiful and then larry of course i I know larry a little bit just through associations here but he's a he's not only a good writer he's also a good painter he's a he's an artist himself he is he's he's a very talented fellow so all those things pull together to what i know i have a bias to look at this book but i i can't tell you how many times i've sat down and just gone through it it's there's not many words uh, in the very beginning it kind of outlines how we got here and what we're doing but for the most part it's just it's really pretty pictures that depict the programs and the people of the wildlife resources agency and also those people throughout the state who don't work for the agency but who enjoy seeing those out in the wild and, and again whatever way they like to view wildlife and i noticed in it and it's not it is a coffee table book and there is some verbiage and some narrative and some pretty writing in there but there's also a lot of quotes from Tennesseans of some outdoor fame or whatever. I mean, Wade Bourne comes to mind, late Wade Bourne, and I know Larry Ray's in there. But tell us how that came about and some of the other names you might see. We just ask people that have those iconic names you know, for Tennessee, Bill Dance. You know, everybody knows Bill Dance. And we said, hey, Bill, would you like to just give us a quote, a short quote of what being a Tennessean, ten, being a Tennessean, and utilizing this resource is meant to you so bill talked about his early years and being in uh, involving state lakes and uh, our state fishing lakes and, and other things that came forward we asked dolly parton if, uh, so she talked about her mountains of course and we have some beautiful pictures of that then uh, we talked about the boating side of things so we asked peyton manning hey there's a former ut quarterback what do you think about the vol navy so he talked about that and trey teague who's one of our past commissioners and trey is super bowl champion as well so those those quotes from those people you mentioned wade Bourne. wade is of course was known throughout the united states and, and tragically i think he died three days before the book came out so mm-hmm. but we were blessed to have his his input and and all that he did for all of us throughout the years one of the one of the best people that I knew in the outdoor industry was Wade Bourne, and so, all right. The question then becomes, Director, where is this available to Tennesseans who, or anybody, but Tennesseans will really love this book. Where is it available to them? Well, it's it's available through any of our regional offices, uh, and the, the price is thirty nine ninety five, which we thought we wanted to keep it as low as we could without losing money on each book so we, we tried to keep the price as low as we could and through the wildlife resources foundation which is building money for youth programs and all those kind of things and anyway any one of our regional offices or you can go to the wildlife resources foundation website and that uh, you can order it there and there's a shipping charge that goes uh, i think it's somewhere between seven and nine dollars depending on where it is but it's a, that's the only place that is available now regional offices or the or the website 
Okay. All right. Good deal. And so it's it's out there and it is gorgeous and it's not a like I say it's not something to try to make a profit. It's just something to try to get out this beautiful work for everybody to see. Yeah, I, I wanted to, for people to see what the agency does and see it in in a beautiful <laughs> setting and and I guess going forward too, one of the things we we want to make sure that that we do through the book is to let people know if, when you buy a license, here's all the things that come from that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it looks beautiful the way it does. Not all days look as pretty as some of those shots when you're out there sweating and doing your work. But, boy, Tom sure made it look great. And and I think we talked about this early on. A lot of our folks that do this job every day, they don't think it's a big deal. But a lot of people who don't know what our folks do every day do think it's a big deal. Yes, I mean, without a doubt. Yeah, because they, they're so used to doing it. They do it so well. But um, it's a chance for everybody to see what's going on. All right. So we got this book now, and it's out. We got the future ahead of us. What do you see management like? And I think I alluded to it a minute ago, director. But what's it going to be like forty years from now, looking in your crystal ball? You know, every state agency tries to forecast that same thing. We've we've entered into kind of a different type of of wildlife management for years we had reciprocal agreements you know tennessee's bordered by by eight states and that makes it a little difficult sometimes when you're trying to manage wildlife that doesn't know where a state border is so we've gone to a bigger thing landscape conservation type management where we work with the other states to say hey all these states around us we're all trying to do the same thing let's put those together i think that will become more and more important as we go forward working with each other on plans together yes i'm understanding that and we still have the reciprocal agreements what you know what your license in one state allows you to do in those border areas but bigger you know for years people are interested i mean the migratory bird the management we do that's something people recognize for years they go from canada to mexico and all the states in between so we have the federal government and the states working together but it's also the same thing where you have deer that run across tennessee and alabama or mississippi or arkansas and, and the the turkey flocks you know sometimes they're in kentucky sometimes they're in tennessee and our elk population moves between kentucky and tennessee so it, it's more than just reciprocal agreements it's how are we going to manage those pieces of land which is the secondary part of that when i mentioned earlier in the broadcast that we talked about buying land strategically that's what i'm talking about we don't just buy a track here and track there it has to mean something it's usually we're trying to build corridors so that wildlife can whether where do you think of them in, in migratory in the traditional sense or just essentially that they move from one spot to another that's what we're trying to do Okay, and um, working with those groups, you you go. It's, I guess that's why it's important. You're gone a lot at times because you have to go to these these committees you were on, these various groups you're in, and it seems like most of them are uh, are associated, and I think it's even the name of one of them with these state agencies. You're, you're meeting with other directors, is what I'm get, trying to get at quite often. We do. We. We meet formally twice a, a year as the, the entire state organizations, and then I meet two more times with the executive committee of our associations. Do, are we, do we have the same, a lot of the same problems? Do this, even if a state that's way up in New York or New Jersey or whatever, do we, are they similar? It, it, they are. There are some crossover. For instance, some of the species we don't have are very difficult management-wise. Wolves, for instance, and grizzly bears in, in the West mm-hmm. have, have, have been a real challenge for them. But they don't necessarily have the wild hog problem that we have, and then uh, so it's really kind of 
I guess depending on where you live and and what the management scheme, the the population size, and all of that. But but not only that, we're sitting down with our counterparts from Canada are a part of this association, and then we bring in the territories and you know, Puerto Rico and and the Virgin Islands are also in the southeast part of our association, and so it's it's pretty widespread. But we all talk about similar problems. And not to get too much into finance, but I do have similar problems on finance wise. How to how to support a wildlife agency with needed monies you know everybody sells a license but they're the majority of states now i would think is i'm looking in southeast specifically uh receive money from their general fund from one way or another to help augment the their programs and so yeah funding is a part of it and and then of course the on the federal side the, the excise taxes that come in off of hunting and fishing equipment that go into the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and then are reappropriated back out to the states based on a, a formula so that everybody gets treated equally. So all of those things, financing is always a big – it's it's not fun like trapping turkeys. Yeah, right. But, it, but at the same time, if you don't have the funding, you don't have the programs. You don't trap turkeys. Exactly. And so it, it's not unusual to hear people worried about that in other states. Uh, constantly. Now, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you too, what's going to be a bigger problem – on the nuisance side, wild hogs or Asian carp? A tough choice. Right now, I'm thinking that the the wild hogs, just because they're, they're so prolific. Okay. <clears throat> both are being worked on right now. They are. Both programs for both. All right, Director. Yeah. Thank you for your time today. It's my pleasure. And, uh, thank you all. One year. We appreciate everything that you do with the everything you've done, and and I hope you stay here another long as you want to. Well, happy anniversary. All right. Thank you. Thank Go you, ahead, Ed. I just want to thank you for your support over the past year, and uh, Thank you all watching the show, and thank you for for uh, keeping us on the air. And we got another another year uh, in store, so keep watching. TNWildcast.com is the best place to get us. You can listen, watch, and it's all right there all the time. All right, we'll start year two next week. See everybody.